0: It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? There's Donald. Carrying it out. People. Separation. Clark, Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. Of fourth and ten. And here they come. Make catch. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on. Down to the top. Bell breaks tackle. Bell trying to go. That big return for Crowder, and he's going to go all the way. Touchdown, 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away.
1: He'll hit he immediately got the handoff, you
0: know and that's <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the Vivid Seats studio, and by the way, if you download the Vivid Seats mobile app, when you make your first purchase, you can save up to a hundred bucks on all ticket purchases when you use the promo code Overtime. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And I'm joined to talk about the Jets' latest acquisition, Nate Hairston, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, the cornerback by the best guy on the Indianapolis Colts beat the executive editor over at CNHI Sports in Indianapolis. My buddy George Bremer. George, thanks for coming back on the show, man.
3: Yeah, no problem. It seems like we were just talking about Nate Hairston around about Marchish or so when uh, when Rex Hogan got hired onto the staff there in New York. Yeah, and that's why I
2: threw the name out there because I did some detective work and thought to myself... When you have a new front office, there's a lot of connections that go into making deals and transactions. So you think about who's connected to who in this Jets front office. So Joe Douglas has connections to the Ravens and to the Eagles. Phil Savage has connections to the Ravens and the Browns. By all accounts, the Browns weren't shopping any cornerbacks. There was some talk that maybe the Eagles or the Ravens be shopping one, but now it seems like Rasul Douglas probably isn't going to get moved. They don't want to trade him because even though he's not going to start, he's very important depth there. And so you think about the Colts because... The Colts are a team that is very familiar to the Jets staff because Rex Hogan was one of the important guys in the chain of command below Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, and now he is the right-hand man of Joe Douglas with the New York Jets, and so I reached out to you and I said, any corners that the Colts might be looking to shop, you threw two names at me, said Jalen Collins, and I immediately dismissed that because he's been suspended four times, including a 10-game suspension last year, so forget about him. The name that you did give me that I thought was interesting though was Hairston because I looked into him, 25 years old, he had had some productive moments for the Colts, some starting experience, and it looks like he was on track to be a key piece of that secondary and things kind of fell apart the second half of last season, so we'll get into that in just a little bit, but first... I wanted to ask you about what the thought process here was with the Colts. Was it just a matter of Nate Hairston was one too many corners?
3: Yeah, yeah, really, it's just numbers game. You know, eventually it catches up to everybody in this league, and uh, he had a great year in 2017, his rookie season. He was really kind of surprised of, of that first draft class that the Ballard put together, and uh, unfortunately for him, the Colts were four and twelve that year, and nobody really paid attention. So he came back last year, and, and he was a guy that a lot was expected of. But uh, he was a victim of a little bit of, of inconsistent play last year, which I think some of that was the switch in, in defensive philosophy. You know, you know, help him going to the Jets and playing in a three four again. That's what he was doing when he was a rookie in, in Indy. Uh, you know, last year they they went to that cover two. Uh, kind of scheme, and I, I don't think he was as good a fit for that as as he was uh, playing more man and, and press coverage. You know, early in his career, uh, did his best work in the slot, uh, but he was very uneven last year. And then played a game out in Oakland, and and really had a rough day. And it just seemed like he never recovered from that. Uh, but you know, interestingly, this spring and, and summer, he looked good in camp. You know, he had it. He had a good. Off season, it looked like he was getting back into form. He was learning the defense. He was understanding what he was being asked to do now. Uh, But it's just a situation where, in part, he's a victim of the resurgence of of Kenny Moore. You know, Moore now is the nickelback in India, and that's really where Harrison shined the most. Uh, So that was one thing that moved him out. Uh, And then Quincy Wilson's versatility. Once they realized that, that Quincy Wilson could move into that slot, and Quincy's done a really good job all off season of guarding tight ends, you just started to wonder where Harrison fit into the plan in So uh, really just, just numbers game for him.
2: Let's talk about what he does well and what he doesn't do well. It sounds like you're saying he's better in man than zone.
3: Yeah, I think he's, at least he was, you know, comparing his rookie year and last year, it seemed like the biggest difference was that they switched to more zone coverage and, And they're going to play a little bit more man this year. It's something that they've talked about because of the personnel. I think that's why he recovered and looked better in camp this year. It was
2: during his performance against the Raiders in week eight where he only took nine snaps and then got benched that he was more or less considered persona non grata the rest of the year because he was removed from the rotation, it seems like, didn't play a whole lot, even though the first seven games of the season before that, with the exception of the Patriots game where he was injured. He played a ton. After that, he basically became the forgotten man. It sounds like there was some really bad coverage against the Raiders early on that caused him to get pulled. Had things like that happened before earlier in the season?
3: He had some struggles against the Jets when when the Colts played there, and, and he had some struggles at other points in the season. But the Raiders game... Uh, Really, the whole secondary was was not having a good day, except for Mike Mitchell. He was about the only guy that that really came to play at all that day. And so, you know, I think Harrison was just a victim of of circumstances as much as anything. And then I think that game obviously hurt him, and and it got him taken out of the rotation. But after that, I think part of the reason that, that he didn't get back on the field again was that Quincy Wilson really, that poor game by Harrison really timed with, Quincy Wilson, the light kind of going on for him and him starting to come in in that role that he has now where he can pretty much play any of the five defensive back spots in in any scheme. So it was partially that he was struggling and it was partially that some other guys started playing well, guys that the Colts had counted on. You know, Wilson and Harrison are the same draft, but Wilson was a second-round pick and and Harrison was a fifth-round pick. And so they were waiting for, for Quincy Wilson to get that point I think he finally just rose up and, and took the role the always expected him to have.
2: You said he predominantly played in the
3: slot. Did he play at all outside? And if so, how did he do there? I mean, he played a little bit outside, but not really during that 2017 season. He was almost exclusively a uh, slot guy uh, in 2017. This spring, this summer, he played a lot on the outside because they knew they had Kenny Moore in the slot. Uh, and they also, Quincy Wilson played a lot more there. So they didn't really, they were looking at Harrison more on the outside. I thought he did a good job. You know, he held his own. I still think if I'm trying to place him in the perfect spot, I would probably use him as a slot guy. But, you know, again, the, the Jets have really, really good knowledge of him. Hogan was part of the front office here that, that drafted him. So he knows what went into all that. I, I think one of the things that was always exciting about Harrison was that he's still very raw. I think he was. A wide receiver at Temple for the first three years and had just switched the defensive back right at the end. So he's still learning and he's still developing, You know, even young in, in terms of 25 uh, years old, but young as a football player and young as a defensive back. So I think there's still a lot of ceiling and a lot of room to grow with it. You mentioned Rex
2: Hogan, and you brought up Nate Hairston to me when I asked you about potential cornerbacks. Do you know anything about Rex Hogan's connection to Hairston? Obviously, he was there when they drafted him, but do you know anything about whether or not he had a special affinity for Hairston, how much input he might have had into his drafting, anything like that?
3: I haven't heard anything specific as far as that go. I've just heard that he was a key component in making this deal happen, so it tells me that you know, obviously Harrison's a guy that, that he thought strongly enough to want to bring along with him. The whole front office, really, like I said, they were happy. I mean, when, when Harrison got picked in the fifth round, Ballard was singing his praises because of the upside, because of the ceiling that, that he had. So uh, they were very excited when they got him. They thought he was a developmental guy and he was going to take a while to bring him along. Uh, now, you know, in addition to the guys we already talked about, the rise of Kenny Moore, the rise of Pierre Desir, the rise of Quincy Wilson, all that kind of squeezed him down the roster a little bit. Then they go out and they draft Rocky Ascend in the second round this year, and he's had a great camp, and you move him into the position, and they draft another kid, Marvell Tell, out of uh, USC, who was a safety in college, That they're transitioning to a quarter. They like him as a big, long, Seattle-type defensive back. And so he now kind of takes over that developmental role. And at that point, I just there's nowhere left on the roster for Harrison to land.
2: So do you think Harrison would have ended up getting cut if the Jets hadn't made this trade for him?
3: I think it's a real possibility just because of the way the situation was. If they could carry like seven corners, I think he would be still on this team. But the fact that Marvell Tell is that developmental guy, and I think they want to take a longer look at him because, like again, like I said, they see a very Seattle body type, you know, the way that the Seahawks play. And there are some similarities in the schemes here between Indy and, and Seattle. But they think Tell's got real upside. They want to keep him around. And then they've got another guy in Chris Milton who doesn't play a lot on defense but is a really key, maybe the key, special teams guy for them, a gunner on the punt team. And so it's not that they don't like Nate Harrison. It's that I think they just they ran out of chairs in, in musical chairs here.
2: So his teammates and his coaches liked him?
3: Yeah, you know, he was always, I think he was a well-regarded guy. Uh, and what he did his rookie year, stepping in and showing toughness, and he really, it was, it was mostly an open competition between him and Quincy Wilson, and as rookies, he really outplayed Quincy Wilson. It took Quincy a while for the light to come on and to, to play catch-up and, and overtake him. But, uh, you know, I think they, they really liked the, the toughness, the uh, – the competitive nature that, that he brings to the table, and like I said, the upside. And the thing with Nate Harrison is that you're looking at a guy who's going into, I think, his fourth season, third or fourth season as a defensive back ever in his life. So uh, there's still a lot of untapped potential in there.
2: And he's a pretty short tackler and can play well against the run, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. you won't be – Chris, I won't bring you in if you can't do those things as the corner. It's just too important <laughs> Uh, In most defenses, but particularly in Indianapolis, corners have to be able to tackle, and that's not an issue for Harrison.
2: Knowing what you know about Greg Williams' defense and the fact that he likes to use corners and press man, you just mentioned that you thought that part of the reason that he struggled in Indianapolis in 2018 is because they had moved away from Pressman and done more zone and that they had gone from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Well, now he goes into a system with Greg Williams where he's going to be in a 3-4 and he's going to be asked to play more press man than zone. Do you think that he'll be able to succeed in New York? you think Nate Hairston will be able to have a bit of a renaissance and turn himself around and maybe realize some of that potential that you talked about in 2017, really exciting, Colts brass, and maybe being the impetus for why Rex Hogan wanted to make this deal?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that it fits his strengths. It suits what he does best, and so I think for every player, that's the situation you want to be in. And it goes into the scheme that – and that's the scheme he was drafted for. You know, when Ballard brought him in, he was drafted for Chuck Pagano's defense. And, and then that, that's where he saw that fit. So, uh, you know, not that Greg Williams is the same defense, but there's a lot more similarities between his scheme and Pagano's scheme than there is between his scheme and Matt Eberflus's scheme that the Indianapolis runs now. So I think it's definitely well-suited for him. I don't know that he's going to come in and be – instant impact guy or that he's going to start right away or anything like that. But I think he's a guy that that's going to be able to do the job and and that they'll feel comfortable with if they need to put him out there on the field.
2: So at the very least he'll provide solid depth.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what, you know, I think that's what they were counting on in Indianapolis. It's just that there's enough depth right now that, that somebody had to go and uh, you almost always, you're going to keep your most recent draft pick in, in those situations. So overall, though, you
2: think the Jets did a good job? This was a smart move by Joe Douglas, Rex Hogan, and company?
3: Yeah, I think it was a good move. You know, I think, it, like I said, I think it's a guy that he's got a lot to offer a team, and, and he's got a lot to offer a locker room in terms of his competitive spirit. Uh, Temple's notorious for, for their toughness and single-digit numbers and all those sorts of things. So he comes from a really physical background, and, and I think he's a guy that's going to – be unfazed by that sort of New York market. You know, he's he's a pretty quiet kid for the most part. Just goes out and does his job, and I think that's something that the Jets will really, really like from him. Hopefully
2: he does a great job. And the Colts are able to take that sixth round pick, do something nice with it, get themselves some quality depth at a position they need. And we can look back at this the same way. We're hopefully going to look back at the Sam Darnold trade in a couple of years where it's a win for both teams. George Bremer, thank you so much for coming on always love talking to you I love when the Jets and Colts get involved in deals together because I know that it gives me an excuse to have you on the podcast so I hope they do more business together and I think they probably will because of the connection to Rex Hogan for anybody that's not following you or reading your work really missing out because George is one of the best and if you want to be educated about the league I've talked about this before you need to be reading the work of the best beat writers for the other teams and you need to be following them on social media so for those that don't know where to find you why why don't you go ahead and let him know?
3: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at GM Bremmer, and uh, most of my stuff, the easiest place to find it is haroldbolton.com. So I uh, always appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and talk football with you. And like I said, I got a feeling uh, there will be more deals ahead down the future here.
2: Looking forward to it. Like I said, George, any excuse to have you on the podcast as far as I'm concerned, right?
3: <laughs> hey, I'm all for it.
2: Let's hope that this works out for both teams. George, once again, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, as we get older, there are things that unfortunately we're just not going to be able to control. One of them, sad to say, is hair loss. In fact, two out of three men will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the age of 35. It can be a little depressing until you remember that keeps exists. What's Keeps? Simple. They're a company that offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. You don't have to make an appointment or go to the doctor, not with Keeps. You visit a doctor online and have your medication delivered right to you. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping future hair loss. In fact, lots of guys even experience hair regrowth with the treatment. Log on to Keeps.com and click to get started. Choose the plan that fits you or let Keeps doctors decide. Sound good? I got a special offer for you. Go to keeps.com slash overtime and receive your first month of treatment free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash overtime. And take advantage of this incredible offer today. Play like a jet. Play like a jet
0: with your host, Scott Mason.
2: We just heard from George Bremer from CNHI Sports about Nate Hairston, who is the latest acquisition for the New York Jets. And now we welcome in to talk about Nate Hairston from the Jets' side of the ledger and, of course, talk about the last practice before the final preseason game as well as preview the preseason game itself against the Philadelphia Eagles later tonight at MetLife Stadium with the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stablkowski Matt, before we get into all of that, first... Happy birthday, my man.
1: Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Much appreciated.
2: 27 years old, and I heard that you celebrated by downing quite a few brownies in the press room yesterday.
1: Yeah, good. I'd like to think of it as good restraint, though. I only had four. I've, I've done worse, but uh, this is what happens when the Jets give us these unbelievable brownies that are topped with crumbled Oreos and drizzled with hot fudge on my birthday. You know, It doesn't exactly bode well for the diet.
2: It does not, but you know what else is probably not going to go well for your diet is the fact that I believe you're going out to dinner and a Billy Joel concert, so Billy Joel, good for the diet, the dinner I don't know. you might want to splurge because it's your birthday
1: uh yeah, don't worry, I absolutely will, and uh you know might have throw back a couple pops at the concert as well, which uh, you know doesn't exactly bode well for the calorie count, but uh you know I think I could spare the expense this time around for my birthday.
2: You'll definitely enjoy Billy Joel. I've seen him twice. He's awesome. And as I was telling you before we started recording, he knows how to play to the crowd. And he mixes it up. He'll play all the hits, but he'll also throw in some fun stuff for the longtime fans. So I'm curious to hear your review of this, Matt. The next time we talk, I want you to tell me a little bit about what you thought of the concert. But I think you're going to have a great time. And your girlfriend really stepped up with this one. That's a great gift.
1: Yeah, she uh, she did a nice job. Uh, so, yeah, she, she's a keeper. She's a good one. And, uh, yeah, should be a good night we
2: can only hope that Nate Hairston becomes the type of keeper for the Jets that your girlfriend has become for you because they went out and acquired him for a sixth round pick in the 2020 draft. Matt, as you well know, you and I talked about Nate Hairston a little bit on this podcast. I spoke about him with Chris Nimbley as well. He was the name that was fed to me when I talked to George Bremer and asked about some possibilities at cornerback. The names that I was fed were Jalen Collins who is definitely not going to be an option because he's been suspended four times, including last year serving a 10-game suspension. The other one was Hairston, and what I found with Hairston, and I spoke about this earlier in the show with George, was a guy who is young, has shown flashes, started some games, and if nothing else, even if he didn't become a starter or anything, would provide them with solid depth. This reminds me a little bit of the trade that Mike McCagney made a couple of years ago for Rashard Robinson. Similar circumstances. There was some talent there. He had been a starter for the 49ers. He also had had some very bad moments, which is why the Niners moved on from him, but they traded a fifth round pick for him and it felt like at the time a risk worth taking because if nothing else, he gives you a young corner with upside and starting experience who could potentially become a contributor and for the price of a fifth round pick. It felt worth it. I think it's a similar situation with Hairston. He's a different player than Robinson, but same principle. Is that where you come down on this, Matt?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's one of those things where the price tag was low enough that it's kind of worth uh, taking the shot and seeing if you find a guy that can help you out. Uh, Like you said, even if he's not a starting quality guy, this team needs depth corners. They need backups. So if he can provide you that for a sixth-round pick, I mean, let's be honest, a a sixth-round pick isn't it's a lottery tick uh, ticket. You're, you know, most of the time when you're drafting in the sixth round, you're hoping you can find a guy that becomes at least backup quality. So uh, they traded for a known quantity here, a guy that they're pretty sure will be able to provide that backup role. Um, and like you said, he's got some experience. He's a, a nice balance though of of youth and a little bit of experience, something the Jets don't have a lot of on this roster right now. So uh, yeah, I think it's a good move by the Jets. Uh, even though they could have potentially waited a few days and either grabbed Hairston or some other cornerbacks off the scrap heap once the cuts are made, uh, and had done it without giving up a, a draft pick. Clearly they liked Hairston. They identified him. They thought he was a good fit. Um, so if, if you're sold on a guy, it's worth the late round pick, in my opinion, to make that move happen and lock it in now as opposed to taking a gamble, uh, that he either won't be available, like, as in he won't cut or uh, that someone else scoops him up on the waiver wire before you can get your hands on him. It's worth the sixth round pick to just lock him up now, get him in the building and start getting things uh, set in stone that way, as opposed to just rolling the dice.
2: Also worth noting that the jets have an extra sixth round pick from the Darren Lee trade. So it almost in a sense ends up being a swap of Lee for Hairston as far as the jets are concerned.
1: Yeah, very true. Yeah. And, uh, I had forgotten that until this trade, that they had that extra six-round pick. But you're right, that makes it even more uh, you know, viable to make this trade. It's not nearly as painful. Um, they've already given up their seventh-round pick for Alex Lewis, the offensive lineman they traded for earlier in camp. So if you didn't have that extra six-round pick and you give it away in this trade, I think you could still justify making the deal. But then you're only left, left with five draft picks in the first five rounds. You've given away the last two rounds. Uh, the fact that the Jets still have a six-round pick after making this move, just uh, it softens the blow a little bit of giving up that six-round pick for Harrison. So, uh, yeah, I think all around, pretty pretty solid move for the Jets. And uh, I know you compared it to Richard Robinson. I'm sure they're hoping that this trade works out a little bit better than that one did. Uh, you know, on paper at the time, the Robinson thing may have made sense, but he obviously never quite panned out. Hopefully, for their sake, Harrison fares a bit better.
2: Yeah, no question. And I think the comparison is more or less in what you were hoping to get from Robinson compared to what you're hoping to get from Hairston now. Because similar situation with being young guys that had starting experience, fell out of favor because they'd had some bad moments. And now you hope that you bring them in and you're able to get something out of them. With Greg Williams' defense, it'll be interesting to see how he fits. And it'll be interesting to see where exactly they try to put him. But it seems like what Joe Douglas has been doing with these late round picks with Alex Lewis and with Nate Hairston is saying that he's willing to part with them if it means that he can get guys that he feels can be useful for him and be depth at important positions because Lewis isn't necessarily somebody you want starting 16 games. But similar to Hairston, he has starting experience and so If one of the guards goes down, which we know Winters is hurt a lot and Assembly has been hurt, he's got somebody there and doesn't have to crawl into a ball. Same thing with Hairston. He now provides the Jets at least with somebody with youth and experience, like you said. And so if you can use a 6th and 7th round pick to bring in guys like that, it's worth doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, I mean, a 6th and 7th round pick, how often does that kind of guy turn into – you know, a, a bona fide starter in the NFL, it, it's not super often. Most of the time when you're drafting guys in those late rounds, you're basically looking for solid depth pieces, good backups. So if you can flip one of those picks for, you know, uh, a guy that you know can be a, a good backup instead of taking a chance and hoping that you can find one in the sixth or seventh round, to me it makes sense to do that. Uh, I guess the the flip side of it is you're giving up a few years of team control, like Harrison to sign through 2020, as opposed to someone you pick in the sixth round, you get them on a, you know a four-year deal. So that's the difference there. Uh, but you know, if you can get a guy that's a known quantity in my mind, uh, you know that's what those assets are for. You trade those draft picks away, you grab a guy that you know a little bit more about, is a little bit more solidified. Uh, that's a perfectly good move in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, like you said, uh, or like we've mentioned, the, the Rashard Robinson thing. Definitely made sense on paper. They rolled the dice. They might not have won this one, but uh, could, could very well be better luck this time around. Uh, that's certainly what they're hoping for with Harrison.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
2: More good news at the cornerback position. Tremaine Johnson was out there at practice, and
1: so was Kyron Brown. Yep, Tremaine out there for individual drills and seven-on-sevens. Uh, so that's a step in the right direction for him, kind of trending toward that week one start that Adam Gase has been talking about for a few weeks now. Obviously, still have to make sure that he doesn't have any setbacks or anything like that if the week one start's going to happen. But uh, you know, at least it looks like he's kind of on the right trajectory at this point. So that is certainly encouraging if you're a Jets fan because, uh, you know, he is by far the most important piece of that cornerback group. Uh, and Kyron Brown getting back in there as well is big, uh, especially now with this Harrison move. I mean, there's one fewer spot up for grabs uh, at the in the cornerback room on the 53-man roster because obviously truman Johnson is going to make the squad, Daryl Roberts is going to make the team, Brian Poole is going to make the team, and Hairston, they just traded a six-round pick for him. So, You know, he's not going anywhere this weekend, obviously. Um, So that, you know, doesn't leave a ton of spots for these guys that have been battling it out all summer to try to win a job, Uh, especially if you throw in Marcus Cooper, who they signed a couple weeks ago, uh, a veteran guy who I would kind of favor to make the team just because of that experience. Uh, You know, he's got that leg up on a lot of guys. So uh, Tyron Brown, getting back in there at this point is pretty big for him just to, uh, have one more showing and try to you know, lock down a job, see if he can secure one of those. Uh, Cause a few other guys were trying to step up when he was away. I know Alex Brown had a nice night uh, against the saints. So uh, Kyron Brown getting back out there. That's good news for him. The jets obviously liked him earlier in summer when they threw him into the starting mix for a little while there. So uh, yeah, definitely good to get those two guys back and start bolstering this, the cornerback room. We're going to get more
2: into some of the guys in the secondary that are going to be battling for their lives in this preseason game later today. And lives, I mean professional lives, not like their actual life is in danger. But more good news before we get to that. Kaleccio Semele and Brian Winters were back. Brian Khalil was there. So for the first time since Ryan Khalil has been acquired, Kaleccio Semele, Brian Winters, and Ryan Khalil were all out there together practicing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first time that we're going to see the Jets, you know, complete starting five on the offensive line together. Um, and Khalil spoke briefly after practice on the podium and, uh, you know, he said that, uh, it was good to get that group together. I know Adam Gase, uh, said that they looked all right for their first time together. So, uh, you know, good news for that unit. We all were, uh, kind of beating the drum the last week or two here about how it's concerning for the Jets, the fact that, this group wasn't going to get much time to gel and kind of form some chemistry before the season started. Uh, But the fact that they got back together now a little bit before the sports preseason game, uh, you know, they got that one practice under their belt and then they'll have four practices next week leading into Buffalo to kind of, you know, bolster that chemistry as well, work together, start, uh, you know, getting a feel for one another. So, um, you know, getting that extra practice under their belt, definitely helpful for them as they all progress toward a week one start together.
2: Sounds like Jamal Adams was kicking some butt at practice, huh?
1: Yeah, he was all over the place. The Jets did a, uh, like a red zone drill toward the end of practice, and uh, just as you would expect, Jamal Adams was flying all over the place, making plays, uh, breaking stuff up, being disruptive, so, uh, and then, of course, you got to hear about it between plays as well. Jamal never wanted to be quiet, obviously, especially when he's making plays, so, uh, yeah, he looked very much like the Jamal Adams that you expect him to be. Um, And that's no surprise. I mean, he has had a a solid training camp throughout. He's always a factor. So uh, just another reminder that Jamal Adams is uh, one of the biggest playmakers on this defense without a doubt. Uh, So just seeing him flash a little bit from time to time in practice, always just kind of reinforces how important he is for this defense.
2: Matt, I want to talk a little bit about injuries in a second, but first, Talk to me a little bit about anything else that we missed. Were there any other highlights? Did the rookies do anything? Any dazzling throws from Darnold? Anything like that? I
1: uh, can't remember any dazzling throws from Darnold off the top of my head. I do remember an, a really, really impressive interception from Arthur Millette at one point uh, picking off Trevor Simeon one-handed interception. Uh, Simeon was picked off twice during practice. Uh, Darnold got picked off by Marcus May at one point. So uh, both of the Jets starting safeties, making some plays and practice there. So uh, yeah, that was really the highlights, but it was a, a relatively short practice. Uh, went from about nine ten to 1045. So about an hour and a half of practice. Um, and the only session the Jets had this week leading up to the fourth preseason game too. So um, it was, it was a little bit more low key than your average training camp session considering the circumstances of leading into a fourth preseason game, as opposed to the second or third, when you really expect a bunch of the starters to play.
2: Now let's talk injuries. Everybody was talking about Robbie Anderson, who Jets fans have very high hopes for this season. And so do a lot of fantasy owners. And if you're going to be playing fantasy football this season, you want to do it with the people over at the draft app and draft.com. You can do a simple snake draft where you can get into the best ball championship for a chance to win a grand prize of $3.5 million. Easy to do, too. All you have to do is sign up for a simple snake draft. No salary caps, nothing complex like auctions. Plus, you don't even have to spend time managing the roster. They take care of that for you. They make sure that your best players are in every single week. So how do you get a crack at that $3.5 million? Simple. Just make your first deposit over at the DraftAppandDraft.com and use the promo code PLAYLIKE. That's play like, PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, And you will get yourself a free crack at that $3.5 million grand prize in the best ball championship over at the Draft app and Draft.com. And Matt, when it came to Robbie missing practice, it fueled a lot of crazy speculation. He was getting traded for Jadavian Clowney. That's why he didn't practice. He didn't practice because something bad happened that the Jets had to cover up for. He didn't practice because he had some sort of major injury. Well, let's remember Occam's razor, Matt. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the correct explanation. In fact, most times it is, and that was the case here, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Robbie has a calf injury. Adam Gase called him day-to-day. Doesn't seem like it's anything too crazy, certainly not like being traded for Jadavion Clowney-level crazy. Um, So, you know, that's good news for the Jets. Uh, The one thing I would say is Gase, you know, whenever we ask him if he's concerned about injuries, um, if, if he truly is not concerned about it, kind of his go-to answer will be like, no, not concerned. He should be out here in a few days. And, and he did say that, uh, Robbie is day to day. So, uh, I might be reading a little too far between the lines here, but when he got asked about Robbie and if he was concerned about the injury, he did just, just kind of say that you're always a bit concerned when a guy who makes a career running has a soft tissue injury. So, uh, he didn't, he didn't completely downplay the injury. Um, so there might be a little bit of there there. But, uh, you know, a calf injury that's listed as day-to-day can only be so severe. So um, we'll we'll find out more on Monday when we get back to practice. Obviously, Robbie not expected to play in the fourth preseason game here. But uh, Monday, we'll find out more when we get out to practice. If we see Robbie stretching or in team drills or anything, that'll obviously be a great sign for him getting back in there for the Buffalo game. Uh, and even if he misses Monday, Wednesday will be kind of the bellwether day. If he gets back in there for Wednesday, that's when the normal week of practice leading up to the first game begins. Um, so, you know, he's got a few days here to rest up and start getting ready for week one. So uh, I certainly wouldn't panic just yet.
2: What else do we know about injuries? I know Brandon Bryant is hurt. What's going on with him and anybody else?
1: Yeah. Brandon Bryant uh, is in the concussion protocol. He, uh, had a head injury. He picked that up Saturday night against the Saints. Um, so that's obviously disappointing for him. Uh, Jeff Smith, wide receiver, uh, was back in practice on Tuesday, but obviously he's, uh, you know, not a huge impact maker. No no offense to him, but, uh, you know, when you compare him to Trumaine Johnson, Robbie Anderson, and the offensive lineman, uh, not exactly a big impact injury update there. But um, for the most part, yeah, the Jets are kind of, inching closer to full health uh you know Blake Hashman was back out there on Saturday night against the Saints so he's fine um so with with the exception of Bryant and Robbie Anderson really for the most part everyone's out there right now so uh if you're the Jets this is going about as well as you could hope you know they got banged up a bit during training camp but they seem to be uh rounding into shape as the season inches closer here
2: You mentioned Gase speaking, so let's get into that. Gase spoke, so did a few others. Let's start with the coach, though. What do you have to say?
1: Yeah, so uh, like I said, Adam started with the injury updates and all of that, and then he got asked, of course, about his plan for the starters during this fourth preseason game. And uh, He played it a little close to the vest. He said that Sam won't play, obviously, Sam Donald, um, which is no surprise there, but uh, he did not rule out playing you know all the starters there's he kind of left the door open to play some of them if he wants to um he said that the him and the coaches were going to have to sit down over the next day or two and kind of go by go down go down the line uh look at each guy decide if they do or don't want to play him um so we'll we'll see how it plays out i would be surprised if uh many or any of the starters really got out there um i know i asked specifically about chris herndon if he's going to play just because of the fact that he obviously after this is going to be out for the next four games. Um, you know, maybe the jets want to get him some extra reps before he goes on his merry way. Um, but he, he kind of side uh, stepped that question and said that they still hadn't gotten there. So uh, same thing with Quinn Williams. So uh, not much clarity about who is and isn't going to play as far as the marquee guys uh, come Thursday night, but we will find out more pretty quickly. I'm sure uh, I would, be surprised if we didn't see a bunch of guys in shorts on the sidelines pretty quickly on Thursday night. Um, But I know that we've got Trevor Simeon, Luke Falk, and Davis Webb will be the three quarterbacks. So you can expect to see a bunch of all those guys, especially I would think Falk and Webb will play a ton as the Jets kind of look to see what they have as far as a potential third quarterback goes. Um, And I know Gase has kind of joked with us before that and he said it during his press conference yesterday. We were joking around with him saying, hey, Adam, do us a superb. run the ball on every play. No ch- no challenges. You know, get get this thing over with quickly. Uh, and he listened to our pleas and then promptly uh, said as he was walking off the podium, minimum 55 throwing attempts. So uh, <laughs> we could be in, in for a very long fourth preseason game if he sticks to that uh, and decides to air it out all night long. But, um, yeah, for sure, Luke, Falk and Davis Webb. I'm sure you're going to see a pretty heavy doses of, of those two as the Jets kind of try to decipher what those guys are capable of.
2: Speaking of Luke Falk and Davis Webb, those two guys spoke to you after practice, as did Ryan Khalil and Taylor Bertalet. What did they have to say?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, I'll start with the quarterbacks, and I mean Falk and Webb kind of both were, uh, you know, just asked about their thoughts going into this game, how they're approaching it, um, and both of them, you know, just basically said they're trying to not think too much just do their jobs and you know let the chips fall where they may i know davis webb was asked about kind of being in the same situation that he was this time last year with the giants and you know he said he uh is okay with you know where he is he uh you know feels a little bit better and more comfortable in this situation this time around having kind of gone through it once before uh both of these guys are just trying to put together some good tape in this game, uh, you know, just in case the Jets don't keep them around. uh, They'll be able to, you know, bring some film to the 31 other teams around the league and try to find a home. Um, As far as Bertolette goes, he was asked uh, about the pressure of this game, just considering the fact that it could be his chance to lock up a job. And uh, Bertalette is actually really kind of impressive to me every time he speaks. I know he talked with us earlier in the preseason about the fact that he just got his uh, master's degree recently. He got a graduate degree in sports psychi- uh, psychology. So, uh, you know, the guy knows how to deal with pressure and, uh, you know, he's pretty good at compartmentalizing things and, uh, looking at the broader picture when you need to. So, uh, you know, he is just, you know, he said it, he's, he knows it's cliche, but he's just trying to go one for one on every kick. And then if he can accomplish that, uh, you know, everything else will fall into place the best it can. So, uh, he's going into this game with that mindset and uh, he did say though that he is a little bit heartened by the fact that the jets haven't brought a second kicker into camp over these last couple weeks uh, feels like it's a little bit of a uh, a shot you know a shot of confidence for him uh, though he did note that you know he feels like he's competing with every other kicker around the NFL every day uh, in practice and in games just because you know there's so many kickers out of work that are looking for jobs that If a team decides that their guy isn't the guy, there's plenty of other guys that they can go and grab very quickly. So even if a guy's not in camp, it's very possible for a kicker to lose their job to someone else pretty quickly. So he recognizes that and he's going to want to have a big day against the Eagles here on Thursday night. And uh, then, like you mentioned, Ryan Khalil spoke as well. And, uh, you know, he was just asked a bit about uh, the starting offensive line. He said, everyone, you know, it felt good to get out there with those guys, have the whole unit together, start building that chemistry uh, and I know he was also asked if uh, if at any point over the last month here, he's kind of felt like he's gotten himself in over his head with what he's decided to do, you know, joining the jets late in the process here trying to jump into a team after being retired for eight months. And uh, he said, no, absolutely not. He said, you know, those, those what have you done kind of moments came during the off season when he was retired. And that's why he's on a team now. So uh, you know, certainly doesn't seem like he is second guessing his decision to come out of retirement any uh, at all. Uh, You know, he is excited to be here with the Jets and trying to work toward a week one appearance. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to see him on the field this week either if they didn't play him in the third preseason game. Tough to imagine him playing in the fourth preseason game. He'll probably go into week one, having not played any real uh, game snaps with Sam Darnold. But, uh, you know, He's got a little bit more than a full week of practice under his belt at this point. So things are uh, trending in the right direction, at least for Ryan Khalil.
2: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
4: With your host, Scott Mason.
2: Getting back to Taylor Bertolette for a second, Matt. It sure does feel like they are currently planning to go with him as the opening day kicker, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I kind of get that feeling as well. But, uh, you know, it it can all change pretty quickly. If he goes out there and misses three kicks against the Eagles, he'll be in the breadline line pretty, pretty fast. That's just kind of how life in the NFL works when you're a kicker. So, uh, if he has a good day against the Eagles, though, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he was their week one kicker. Uh, I know Brent Boyer has liked Bertalette getting back to last year's training camp when he was in there fighting for a job with Jason Myers. Um, you know, so he's got kind of some goodwill banked up there. Uh, I know the first week of his training camp, Bertalette, uh, was rocky. You know, the, the game against the Falcons didn't go so well with those two missed PATs, but, um, at this point, you know, he had a nice night against the Saints hitting those two long field goals. He had a good week of practice leading into that. So uh, you can kind of write off that first week a little bit just as it was his first week back with an NFL team in nearly a year. So uh, you can kind of shrug off some of those misses a little easier if he has another good game this time around. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, like you said, it, it feels a lot like it's trending toward Bertoleppi being a week one kicker. But he has a chance to cement that with a good game this week against the Eagles.
2: Real quickly, before we get to the game itself that's coming up later tonight, the Jets are obviously going to make a lot of moves over the next couple of days. Maybe there'll be some more trades, some roster pickups, some cuts, all of that. But, Jadavian Clowney, this is not a player that you expect the Jets to really be in on, right?
1: I have trouble seeing it just because of what it would cost. Uh, for them to grab him, especially because, you know, he can't sign a long-term deal. He's a one-year rental. So I suppose that would help drive the cost down a little bit, but uh, I don't know. It's still going to be an expensive deal for whoever's willing to do it. Uh, And, you know, I don't know if Joe Douglas is going to want to give up some pretty big assets, uh, you know, draft assets when he has a chance next spring to, draft for the first time with his franchise and really start making his mark on it through the draft with those college players you know it's uh, if i was him i certainly wouldn't want to deal away my draft capital too much especially those earlier mid-round picks um you know you only get so many of those and uh you know if you're going to deal them away for a guy that you're only guaranteed one year with it's a pretty big gamble so uh i don't expect that the jets will be big players on that one, but. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll throw us all a curveball. Wouldn't be the strangest thing to happen.
4: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty-game sprint
2: Let's talk about the game now, Matt. It's coming up later tonight at MetLife Stadium. If you'd like to go, I'm sure you can probably find tickets practically free on StubHub. And I would imagine that parking passes aren't going for very much either, mostly because we know, as you said, Matt, that the starters are not going to play or the ones that do play won't play very much at all. I would be very surprised if... If very many of the starters saw any action, they shouldn't. They should have learned from all the injuries that that would be a very bad idea. And it's traditionally been practiced that most of the starters don't play in this fourth game. What should we be looking for here? If you had to guess, are there going to be any starters in this game? And if so, how long do you think that they're going to play?
1: If I had to guess, I would say no. But if they do, I can't see them playing more than you know a series or two. I think it would be coaching malpractice to leave anyone in there much longer than that. I mean, uh, there, unless there's some sort of crazy extenuating circumstance that I'm not thinking of at this point, uh, it'd be pretty nuts to leave guys in there for an extended period of time and risk getting them hurt. Uh, you know, a week before week one, they've gotten their work in, you know, they've done all that. They've had a week, uh, a month of training camp at this point, get the starters down and live to fight another day, uh, and just make sure you stay healthy going into week one here. Um, But as far as other things to watch out for during the fourth preseason game, um, I would keep an eye on just a couple of spots, Uh, cornerback being one of them. uh, You know, a bunch of those guys there, like we mentioned, kind of vying for maybe one or two potential jobs. So uh, guys will have something to prove there. Um, The back end of the wide receiver room could be uh, somewhere to watch as well. You know, Deontay Thompson, Deontay Burnett. A few other guys kind of uh, Sharon Peak jockeying to see if they can maybe grab a last wide receiver role there, try to convince someone that they're indispensable. Anthony Wint and James Burgess, if they play, both of them have had good camps. And obviously the Avery Williamson injury opened up a spot at inside linebacker. So uh, the Jets might have a tough decision to make there. So if those guys are on the field, uh, you know, they could be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, and also I would say Eli Maguire and Trenton Cannon. Um, if the Jets stick with four running backs, the decision could come down to the two of those guys. Um, so keep an eye on them. I, you know, I know the Jets really, really like what Cannon provides in special teams, but McGuire is probably a better actual running back. So um, they're going to have to do a little bit of balancing, you know, make up the pros and cons list there and decide what's more valuable to them. Um, but, you know, maybe someone has a big performance if Cannon has a really nice night on the ground again, like he did against the Saints. Maybe that helps tip things in his favor. We'll have to see about that one. But uh those are kind of the spots that I think I would keep an eye on. But I would also caution that, uh, you know, coaches know that they're watching a fourth preseason game when they're watching what these players are doing. You know, they know that they're not exactly playing against other teams starters as well. So, um, you know, you, you can kind of shuffle things around and make some difference around the margins uh, if you're a player playing in this fourth preseason game. But, uh, you know, the odds of someone coming from way off the page and, you know, blowing us away and grabbing a job are minimal, if if not non-existent. So, um, you know, the fourth preseason game is always kind of uh, a little bit of a slog. So, you know, hopefully those few things will be entertaining for us to watch. But uh, other than that, there might not be too much to, to, really hard on this uh, Thursday night.
2: Maybe a little bit of intrigue at the quarterback position since we talked about Davis Webb and Luke Falk before. Perhaps they're fighting for a spot on the practice squad and the opportunity to be Adam Gase's pet project.
1: Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, I think at this point, Luke Falk has a a decent lead over Davis Webb. Just my read on the situation, Davis Webb has been uh, pretty troubled this summer he hasn't been great in most practices he obviously had some struggles during the first couple preseason games as well um, so I think Luke Falk if they're going to try to keep a third quarterback would probably be that guy but uh, you know if if Falk goes out there and lays an egg against the Eagles but Davis Webb has a great game that could obviously change things a little bit so yeah definitely I, I don't expect the Jets to keep a third quarterback on the roster the 53 man just because I don't think they can kind of afford that spot. They can use it elsewhere. They have other holes on this roster that need to be addressed. Um, I know one or two of the other B reporters would kind of push back on that a little bit and argue that they think a third quarterback might be worthwhile or that the Jets you know, might just opt for it. Um, but I have trouble seeing either Falk or Webb winding up on the 53, but certainly I could see one of them, uh, and, you know, one of them on the practice squad. And at this point, I would think it would probably be Falk. Uh, a guy that kind of has a history with Gase has had a pretty decent training camp. And like you said, kind of could be the pet project moving forward.
2: Matt, last question. Are there any players heading into this game that could be a surprise as far as if they have a really good performance, they could unexpectedly make the team or if they have a really bad performance, they could unexpectedly not make the team.
1: Hmm. That is a good question. Um, I mean, a couple guys that I would kind of keep an eye on, uh, I would say Foley, Fadakasi, and Nathan Shepard up front on the defensive line there. Uh, it might be guys just to watch. I know Foley uh, started off the summer not exactly as one of the top guys on that defensive line, but had a nice night against the Giants. I know we talked about that back then, and he kind of parlayed that into some first-team reps for a little while and he spent a bunch of time on the second team since then. Um, Shepard has played alongside him on the second team a bunch, but uh, the defensive line – kind of gets crowded pretty fast if you're the Jets, you know, obviously between Leonard Williams and Henry Anderson and Clinton Williams and Steve McClendon. And it looks like Bronson Kafusi is going to make a, make this team. And uh, so if the Jets decide that they can only keep, you know, six defensive linemen instead of seven, one of those guys between Foley and Nathan Shepard might be the one, might be the one that uh, misses the cut. So uh, those guys are going to want to have a good night. Um, so that's something I would keep an eye on. Uh, and also, I mean, Greg Dorch, as a punt returner and wide receiver, I would keep an eye on him as well. Uh, I think it's been made pretty clear that Greg Dortch is the best punt return option for the Jets at this point, but the question that they're going to have to answer is whether or not they want to keep a guy on the roster who uh, is more or less a punt return specialist and you know doesn't do a whole ton beyond that. Um, he has shown a couple flashes in practice and in games, uh, of wide receiver ability, but, uh, you know, has it been enough? That's a question that's open at this point. So, uh, if he can have a nice game as a wide receiver and kind of push himself over the edge and really cement the spot on this roster, uh, that could be a a good way for him to finish things up as well. So, uh, you know, I I think those are the couple other guys that I would keep an eye on going into this one. A lot to
2: watch out for in this game. You're not going to be watching guys that are necessarily going to make A huge impact as starters throughout the season. But some key depth slots could be decided in this fourth preseason game. In fact, probably will be. So definitely worth watching if you're a diehard fan of this team. And I'm going to guess that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Matt, you will have full coverage of all of this over at NJ.com. Beyond that, you've got other stuff up there right now, including a little bit of a write-up of what the Nate Hairston trade means for the Jets and a couple of other features. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what's in store for them if they head over to NJ.com slash Jets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you head on over there uh, Thursday morning, we're going to have up, uh, you know, a 53-man roster projection, kind of second-to-last one before the cuts are made. Uh, we'll have another one Friday morning after the Eagles game just to shift things around, last chance saloon there um so 53 man roster projection uh some some more insight on those position battles that are still open going into the fourth preseason game that we just touched on a few minutes ago here uh and also on tuesday night uh i was at an nfl network event in new york city and got the chance to catch up with some hall of fame uh running backs Talked to terrell davis ladanian tomlinson barry sanders got a chance to talk to all three of those guys about Uh, Le'Veon Bell but uh, more uh, to the point I talked to all three of those guys about uh, Bell's layoff year and whether they think that uh, you know something like this could become something of a trend in the NFL and and I'm not exactly talking about just the contract holdout portion of things Uh, I don't want to spoil it too much you guys are going to have to go read the story at nj.com slash Jets to kind of get the full sense of what I'm talking about but um, all three of those Hall of Famers kind of uh, we're in agreement that, you know, the rest could wind up doing Le'Veon bell and any other running back for that matter. Good. Um, so we just had a discussion about if other running backs might try to copy, uh, Le'Veon bells blueprint to some extent to rejuvenate their careers a bit. So, uh, head on over to NJ.com slash jets. You can follow me on Twitter as well. It's M underscore Stipple, S T Y P U L K O S K I, uh, to find all that and then of course uh plenty of stuff from the Eagles game on Thursday night as well and then uh cut down weekend as well we're gonna have live updates these guys are uh you know juggling around and plenty of other analysis on the roster as well so uh just stay tuned with us through Labor Day weekend here and uh you know plenty of stories to come as the the Jets kind of whittle things down and start getting ready for week one
2: Matt enjoy the game tonight and certainly enjoy Billy Joel make sure you sing along to Piano Man for me
1: absolutely thank you scott i appreciate it
2: happy birthday again buddy
1: thanks man appreciate it
2: make sure you follow matt on twitter at m underscore stipulkowski. that's s-t-y-p-u-l-k-o-s-k-i read his work over at nj.com slash jets and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn on the jets.com